0: Hey guys, you're listening to Stay at Home with Keystone. We're your hosts, Akilah and Jack. We're members of the Myth Peninsula Boys and Girls Club, and today we'll be interviewing Varian Oatman, also known as Issa Man. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: I, um, yeah, as you said, my name is Varian Oatman. Um, some people do call me Issa Man because I am, um, a drag queen or or a nightlife or honestly like lately because of the pandemic daytime entertainer a lot too um but yeah i've been doing drag for about three years i started doing drag in anchorage alaska um but i moved to the city because there was just more opportunities here and i before COVID, was working like pretty pretty consistently in drag
2: (laughs) so um correct me if i'm wrong uh you are currently living in seattle right now right Yes, i'm currently in seattle. yeah i have been to seattle before and you see there's just one store in seattle that claims to have the best clam chowder did you know about it
1: i actually know i don't remember the name but i know what you're talking yeah. about and well, like <laughs> have you tried it no it's it's not the mm. it's not the best it's not the best i know i know which one you're talking <laughs> about
2: Exactly. You see, San Francisco where we're from, it's known for its clam chowder. So I have high standards for my clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> so I went there, my stomach didn't like that. And I was oh, just it's wondering. Not good. Uh, but it is also known for its coffee, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh like yeah. the whole city. Yeah.
2: Oh, really? How's yeah, the I think there?
1: like Seattle has like the highest coffee comes, mm-hmm. the highest coffee consumption per capita or something like that
2: you a big coffee fan yourself
1: <laughs>
2: ah there it is i absolutely hate coffee
1: i really do see Aquila seems to agree
2: yes,
0: i do i hate coffee it's so-
1: <laughs> i'm not a big fan of drinking things that taste gross just for the effects later right <laughs> so you were
2: good friends with nadia i know that how did you guys meet what was the origin story of that
1: um, the way that me and Nadia met was actually really, really funny and really random. So I had just moved to the city, um, in Seattle. I think like this was maybe like my second or third month. So I didn't have a lot of friends and one of the very few like friends I had. And also keep in mind, I'm from Alaska. So like, I don't know a lot of black people like, like Seattle to me, like, to me, it's like, oh my God, so many brown people everywhere. And like, I think like, there's only like maybe a five percent higher like rate of like brown people here than alaska but to me it's just like this explosion of diversity so like i at this point had like we knew this mutual black person and it was like and i was just hanging out at this person's house um i'm just gonna just for clarity i'm just gonna say their name um lee i was hanging out this person's house named lee and not even nadia but nadia's um roommate um kia comes over i'm using a bunch of names right now but it's whatever i'm sure all these people consider the names being used um but yeah, um Nadia's soon-to-be roommate comes over and she's just like, Hey Lee, so um I kind of need a huge favor from you. I have like this huge table I need moved. And like at this point, Kia is not even like acknowledging me. She doesn't know who I am yet. She's just there to see Lee. And Lee's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. And like I'm me being me being like, I want more brown friends. I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll also help you move. Not even seeing like how big the table was. Um, so we like drive over to what is like soon to be Nadia's house. And I still at this point haven't like seen um, what's inside of the U-Haul. And we, like, open the U-Haul. And it's, like, literally, like, a Knightsman table. Like, I want to say, like, I don't know if you can see my apartment. Like, it would touch the bottom of the floor to the, like, it was the biggest table I've ever seen. And it was literally just, like, the five of us, um, (laughs) like, knocking on the door, this cute little Nadia opening the door, being like, oh, I don't know who any of you are, but I guess you're helping me move this giant table into my house. (laughs) So we had to literally, like, unscrew her door to, like, get this table in, but, like, during all of that, me and Nadia met and like have been like pretty pretty good friends since.
2: That is very interesting. I don't have any friendship stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Akhil had a question for you um, about your career.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you're a drag queen, and drag means a lot of different things to different people. So what does it mean to you, and how has it helped you grow as a person, and what has it taught you?
1: So I mean, yeah, drag definitely, especially when you talk in like career sense does mean a lot to different people. But to me, drag has literally always just been kind of like a source of income. Like I started doing drag, I think like the day I turned 21, because there was a local gay, there was only one local gay bar and like my small little, I say small little like Alaskan town, but there's like 300,000 people there. But like, it doesn't feel like that at all. Um, but like, there was only one local gay bar. And I'm like, fresh out of school like I need some ways to make money like I've always been a performer I've always been a entertainer I've always like really been into fashion and like these people clearly are like hiring and so like it's always been kind of like a way to pay my bills while still kind of like expressing myself creatively um and it was like it's always weird to like think about how like I kind of like growing up a little bit in high school kind of had like this weird aversion to drag where it's like I don't understand it. Like, what, what is it? Like, do they want to be women or something? And now having to have those awkward conversations with my mom being like, mom, I promise you, I don't want to be a woman. Like it's a job for me, a job that I love, like in wooden trade, but like, it's, it's a job for me. So I guess to answer your question, drag has just always kind of meant like financial stability for me while still doing what I love.
2: Right. Uh, so drag is like an art form, right? A lot of people have different styles. So. I'm sure you have your own style, so how would you describe your own style in
1: drag? Honestly, like, chill, like intentionally chill, because I felt like there's a lot of preconceptions with drag. And especially like, I'm I'm very self-aware, I'm very aware that like, I'm like this six foot three black man. And I feel like a lot of times, especially in drag and especially in our community, we like, Have certain stereotypes that we put on to people, and like a dancer, like very long and lanky, and I kind of just assumed that people were like, well, like this is the only black girl at the bar, so like she's just gonna give us like you know high kicks and like stunts and like death drops, and it was like very important to me as a performer to prove that well I can do that, but I can also do I can hold your attention by literally just standing still and lip syncing. So like I incorporate a lot of R&B into like my act. I sing live a lot. I've like started to learn like guitar, like it's very important to me to like kind of bring out my personality in my drag and like in real life, I'm a very kind of chill person for the most part. So it's like I wanted that to show a lot in my drag and like that's kind of the creative and like art form part of it. I feel like drag for everyone is literally just like taking what's personal to you and putting it in your art form. I'm, I'm
2: gonna kind of add on to that um you said something about the death drop which is very familiar because I've heard it tossed around I've seen a bunch of videos on it
1: <laughs> I want your opinions because that looks very painful oh my goodness <laughs> so I'm probably also okay okay Okay. in the least most condescending way I'm probably gonna get in trouble even calling it a death drop in in the ballroom since it's actually technically called a dip But in the RuPaul sense, I know what you mean, it's a death Mm drop where, um, and it's really not, it's not painful. It's actually, if you know how to do it correctly, if you know how to do it safely, it's fine. (laughs) For real? It it looks very painful from somebody that's- I believe you're just falling on your, the inner side of your thigh, if you're doing it correctly. Like you shouldn't touch the physical ground. Like you're landing, all of your pressure and like all of the weight and gravity sh- like lands onto the back of your like thigh. It's like oh, start wow. work. That's so intricate. <laughs> uh, do do you know how to do it, Bunny Jets? If you do, <laughs> have you done it on stage? Yeah, it's like a big it's like a big thing. It's like my like my move. <laughs> That's
2: so impressive. Um, Akila?
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry question is how did how did you how do you become a drag queen and like what's the career path to become mm-hmm.
1: so i think especially with drag as it is an art form there is no particular way to become a drag queen you just kind to like fill in the niches however you see fit like for me not every girl does drag the way it is where it's like i'm performing every friday saturday and sunday and like this is how i pay my some girls are just like i like doing my makeup in my house and taking pictures and posting it on instagram and like They don't. Those girls don't even have to necessarily make money from it. Like some girls are like, "Well, I'll do a full face of makeup and take pictures with like this sponsored ad," and some girls just do it for like fun. And like some girls just like literally go out to the bars and like dress up how they are. Some girl I know there are a lot of queens who are actually underage, specifically in Seattle, who like they would just go to any like any event that was 18 and plus. They would just appear at it because they would know like when I'm 21, I want this to be more of a thing. So I feel like drag if you want to get into it, just get into it. There is no like correct or wrong way to get into it. It's just like, how do you want to express yourself? How do you want to be successful in this? Like, what do you want from drag essentially?
2: All right. Um, I, I want to ask this uh, as well. Is drag uh, full time for you right now?
1: Um. Right now, no, it's not full time. Right now, I have a very boring civilian job. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I have a very, very boring job now because COVID has ruined everything. But right. prior to COVID, like drag was full time job for me. Mm.
2: So you said uh, they made a lot of their money with ad sponsorships, I think. And this, um, how else do you make that money? Cause working full-time on, on something like this is i would imagine pretty difficult right eh?
1: mm-hmm. you're basically like an independent contractor right. it's like you're basically just taking on it literally is like being like an independent artist because it's like you make your money by however someone wants to offer you money instagram for me um especially preco i mean even now because i like was asked to do this podcast through like not even like, being like here's like i'm sharing people your instagram so it's like instagram for me is a very important tool because people will literally dm me all the time with opportunities Right. Um.
2: So, since this is an art form, right? Is there anybody that you kind of look up to? Like, is there anybody out there that has a style that you wanna to, want to like chase after? Somebody that could do something that you really want to do?
1: I mean, honestly, I don't. <laughs> I don't look up to a lot of other drag queens. I look up mostly predominantly to other black women who like, especially my mom, like big ups to like my mom. Like my entire drag aesthetic is pretty much just by my mom from the nineties. Like I could go through like old photos of her for like days. But I think that's also very important, especially with drag to like, not necessarily take inspiration from other queens because like drag should and always should be personal to you. So, like, I feel like your references and the people you take inspiration from should just be literally whatever, like, inspires you. And, like, I don't think drag necessarily can inspire you. So, like, I would say, like, what inspires me is, like, very strong. Not even necessarily Black, but, like, just strong, like, women who do it for themselves and are, like, very fashion forward. Uh, I don't know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. I get that.
1: I get that. Um. So...
2: You said you came from Alaska, right? Was that very LGBT uh, QIA friendly?
1: Um, I'm going to be real with you, yes, actually. Like, and I feel like I'm such an open-minded person because there is this very, very tiny, like, artist community. There's, like, this queer bubble that, like, like if you live in Anchorage, Alaska, or Juneau, Alaska, too, like you just kind of get to live inside of and like all those like <laughs> Republicans and like meanings, like kind of just like exist and they leave you alone. They leave you alone and you get to exist in this like nice little queer bubble. So like, kind of like from the ages of like 18 to 22, when I did finally leave Anchorage, like I only had queer friends, like all of my, my job was queer. I was a drag queen. Like, like I was just in this amazing little queer bubble. And so like there, there is obviously it's a red state, but, um, there is like just a very loving queer community that like you just kind of latch onto and like you surround yourself and they kind of become your own little world.
2: All right. So have you ever faced any type of adversity because it's kind of a red state, uh, for being in drag?
1: <laughs> I will say, um, the girls in Alaska, we always walk in pairs. You never, mm. <laughs> that's I'm going to leave it at that. But like, oh. you, uh, yeah, you always walk in pairs. Um, you just take care of each other. I personally have not experienced any like backlash or adversity, but I think that's because, like I said, because it, it, uh, it's kind of a bubble. where like, just kind of take care of each other, take care of each other. You kind of like keep in touch with each other and you keep each other safe to where like, we don't really have to deal with backlash because like, we don't see the backlash. We just see each other.
2: And I think Seattle is very open to the LGBTQ community as well and also here in San Francisco. So did you kind of move in here because of the, it, it, um, the it, it, exception, <laughs> for some reason we can't speak, um, how accepting they are? Or did you come in for different reasons?
1: I came because I wanted to get out of Alaska and it was like the, the closest ticket. <laughs> uh, like I've, I've literally spent i think 14 years of my life in alaska and it was, it was just ready to move and experience like literally anything else and i was just very lucky that the the nearest place was seattle and it just happened to be mm-hmm. a very a very very inclusive and open place i will say that so yeah
2: speaking of which alaska is very different from any other states here right it's all the up north it's like p- uh, past canada like I, I don't understand
1: why Alaska's not considered a part of Canada, honestly. Like it's it's touching more Canada than it is. I mean like yeah. I know for like logistical reasons why not, but like yeah.
2: Also like really close to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird to think about. It's a state that's all the way up north. Um, I gotta say the weather has to be a lot different, right? Uh does it cause I don't think it snows in seattle but in places around it i think and in alaska from the place you're from like how was the weather there
1: i mean i'm gonna be real with you climate change is real uh Mm -hmm. like i remember growing up like seeing snow for the first time and like that like it literally would snow three to four months like straight and then right up until before i left like I mean, I think it's getting back to normal a little bit, like whatever normal is, like not nowhere near my childhood, but like there is getting to be more snow. But like the year before I left, I think it had literally only snowed maybe four or five days. And those days weren't even consecutive compared to as a child where like it is six months of winter. And it was just crazy to be like, there was no snow. It was like very, very, very dry winter. Uh, Like, yeah, climate change is real. (laughs) All right. I think me and Akilah,
2: right? We're all part of this uh, new Keystone project called No Planet. Uh, There is No Planet B. And I think is kind of like the driving force of that. Cause do you want to talk more about that? I mean, Um, she is, she's in that club.
0: Oh, we're kind of just talking about food insecurity and how we can fix that. And we're like tracking our carbon footprint. But, yeah, I've seen a lot of TikToks about how people in Alaska, like, how they have to, like, get on the boat to go somewhere, like, to the grocery store or something. And I think that's so crazy to me, how people really live like that. And it's so different in California because the weather's always the same here.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that, too. I mean, like, there are literally some parts of Alaska, like, yeah, you cannot get to without a boat. Everything has to be shipped up there. And it's why, like... It's so it's ex- kind of expensive to live there because everything has to be shipped up to us and in like some way it kind of like because everything has to be shipped up there there is like this just like kind of like baseline carbon footprint like you just kind of have to like create to like even exist there and I- i'm gonna be real with you like i don't think recycling or like composting is like a big thing i didn't even know of that until i moved to washington like i had never seen a compost trash can before until I moved here. So yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of like the carbon footprint, like Alaskans leave. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So another one of the questions we have is what quality does your drag persona have that you wish you had in your life?
1: I feel like Issa is just, (laughs) Issa is just like, just so incredibly like confident and like, like doesn't just look gorgeous, but like I feel feels gorgeous. And like, I don't know, I feel like I would love to just like walk around like feeling that level of just like into myself as I do when I'm in drag. Cause I definitely, I'm definitely into myself when I'm in drag. And I don't know, that's just like definitely something I don't necessarily carry with myself um, on a day-to-day basis. Right, Um.
2: so, how did you come up with that name, uh, Issa Man? Uh, it is a persona I think you created, and you got to name yourself, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I did name myself. Um, have you seen Insecure? Insecure? No, is that that's, movie? Probably not, that's probably not your age, range. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But um, one of my all-time favorite like Black writers, her name is Issa Ray. And I just really, really, really loved the name. And like, uh, she wrote one of my series of all time, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. That like got me through high school and middle school. So I was like, if I'm gonna do drag, I wanna pay homage. So it was like Issa and I was like, oh, I guess like drag names have to be like funny or something or have to be a pun. So I was like, I guess I'll just, just throw man on at the end. <laughs> That's like when I, when I, I don't know. I, whenever I introduced myself, I was just like Issa. Like, cause it's like I, I feel like the man in some ways kind of cheapens it a little bit, but I also think it's funny too, and it also is like indicative of my personality. Mm, I see. Um. So
2: another one of the questions is to ask is, what motivates you from to keep on performing? Is it the people there? Uh, I'm I'm sure there's a really nice community surrounding it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the community, definitely. I remember, like, they're, like you literally get to be kind of, like, a small-town celebrity. Like, there are literal times I'm just going to the grocery store, and people will recognize me, which maybe I'm not doing my job well enough if you can tell who I am out of drag. But, like, there are people who recognize me and will, like, say hello. And that's, like, always a really nice feeling. But I think what, like, keeps me motivated to, like, continue performing is, like, I just don't know what else I would do. Like, I was born to perform. Like, it's what I'm good at. It's what... I can do without having to think about it. It's like muscle memory to me. Like I'm just good at performing. So like, why would I do anything else?
2: That's right. Right. Um, so, Sort of similar to me how I do sports, but not for the reason why a lot of people think I'm not great at sports. I don't stay because I'm good. I stay because there's like a whole community surrounding it. There's like, people are very nice to me there. I'm not trying to say there aren't outside, but like the community because you have a shared interest, it's just better and I just stay there because of that.
1: And Community is very, very, very important and I feel like a lot of mm -hmm. times People forget how nice it is to just like have someone that like just gets you without having to even talk about it. And it's like, even if it's like something as small as like, this is a sport that we both like, just being able to just like, like have that barrier just immediately come down is like really, like community is just so important.
2: Right. Um. I think my internet just got to cut out there cause I didn't really hear that last part, but yeah, community is very important. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i'm gonna ask another question uh before our last one but how does the drag world look now like that everything a lot of places are closed and so when people are going virtual now
1: i think the drag landscape is like one like to be a drag queen is to basically to have to adapt so like i remember like when the pandemic started and bars were shutting down drag queens i feel like The next two or three days we're doing digital shows. Like, they're like, okay, if this is Avenue's closed, like, we're gonna open another one. And I think right now, what's kind of happening too is like, unfortunately, people are getting a little bit bored of digital shows and they're becoming a little bit less lucrative for Queens. So I'm like, I'm seeing like Queens literally going back to the drawing board and being like, okay, if I can't make money that way, like, this is like the next step. So it's like, I feel like a lot of people right now, are definitely in kind of like the planning stage. If like drag will, COVID can't kill it, you know what I mean? We will always find a way to perform and a way to just put our art out into the world. So I think a lot of people are right now, as far as drag is concerned, are like kind of going back to the drawing board of like, how can I get my art out there and how can I like profit off of my art because I still have to eat, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I I wanted to ask, like, how did your personal life change because of COVID? Because a lot of people just, their normal life just cut off and like it's like a new chapter of their lives. How did that go for you?
1: Oh, it was weird because, like, in my mind, when I lost my job pretty early, I like, I was laid off, I would say, like a month before like COVID got real, real. Like, in my mind, for like the first six months of COVID, I very much so was like, well, we back to performing in the summer. I just got to hold off until the summer. Like, just six months of this and everything will go back to normal. And then to kind of now, what, it's like January? <laughs> like, and I don't even think I'll be back to like performing at like, like inside of clubs, even this summer. And this just kind of like acceptance of like, okay, like this part of me isn't necessarily dead, but like, I definitely do need to focus on like other parts of me now, if that like makes any sense where it's like, what can I do in this meantime to improve my drag that when I come back, like this, this break I was forced to take doesn't detriment my art form. So it's like, I don't know, taking up like guitar lessons, like learning to sew. Oh my God, I've learned to sew over COVID. And I'm like, every drag queen should learn to sew. And it is actually like, it's something I've dreaded for so long, but like being stuck in the house, I was like, you know what, we're gonna do it. And it's, it's something that I like actively enjoy doing now. So it's like just kind of finding other skills to like improve my craft. So like when things go back to normal, I'm ready.
0: Fun fact, I also learned to sew during lockdown. I use my grandma's old vintage machine, and now I do it all the time. (laughs) Isn't it the
1: best? (laughs) Like, you think that it's going to suck when, like, before you, like, know how to do it, and then it's just truly, like... It's like you get to make a puzzle. Like, you're putting all the pieces of a puzzle together, but you've made all those pieces, and it's, like... I don't know, I've learned to just like accept failure by learning to sew, like I feel like it's another reason why like I didn't want to get into it. Cause you're like, oh, I'm gonna be bad at it, why even start? And it's like, it's kind of the point, like to learn, to get better. And I don't know, I've just really enjoyed sewing. Like, I'm glad people are learning to sew too.
0: <laughs> okay, so our final question is, uh, how can we be an ally to the drag community and how can we support them?
1: Okay, uh, I feel like the best way to be an ally to drag, is just like, follow people who haven't been on drag race like follow everyone there's thousands and thousands of drag queens and literally just to follow because i know y'all in high school so like i know y'all 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 got a tip that's totally fine but literally just going out of your way to experience different types of drag is i feel like the best way to be an ally because i feel like there's very much so like and this is coming from someone who does like the most mainstream type of like pretty girl drag it's like there's just such a spectrum of drag. And I feel like going out of your way to find different artists is the best way to be an ally. Oh,
2: um, I think before we wrap it up, um, I just want to compliment your background, like y- your whole setup. It looks really nice. Is that <laughs> LEDs? Wigs in the back.
1: Wait. My little oh, wig. is that wigs in the back? <laughs> Those are wigs. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs>
2: Like I really like that, uh, is that LED or is like uh, the light? Oh, in the I back have like, a like light lights.
1: on me, so I was like, I want to be pretty. <laughs> that
2: looks really nice. <laughs> and it's also, like... it goes around your room. Wow. Yeah, and you also have posters. You see, I don't have anything, but it's just all white. <laughs> like, I think
1: now I was in a class when Nadia made that with me. Yeah, yeah, I made that around Nadia.
2: Um, I think it was great having you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And Akilah, would you like to end it?
0: The ending's not on there, but thank you so much, guys, for listening. Thank you to our editors and our producers. We had a great time. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Okay, that's it.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us.